In this episode of the podcast, Jason and I go on to discuss Module 3, Chapter 10 of the Monopoly Planner called Give It Away for Free. You'll find out also the importance of documenting your expertise and producing educational, actionable content that's 10 times better than anything anybody else could put out. And what's the trigger point in transitioning somebody from a do-it-yourself free proposition to them actually asking you for paid services? This is Digital Bacon FM. Bang on the top of the hour. Yes. Two minutes past ten. Joined on the line, of course, by that introduction. The one, the only, of course, Mr. Stephen Barnes. Good morning, sir. Hello. I was just recovering from the sort of the amalgamation of your uh, ship arriving in <laughs> eastern eastern shores introduction, and then you confused me with that with that other one. What was that other one all about? Oh, that was wearing machinery or something. Uh, no, that was a dot matrix printer. I'm sure that will bring back some memories for you. Yes, like that does. How? Uh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, it's been a while. I wonder how many of your listeners know what that sound is. Mm, we were chatting about that a little while ago. You know, all of these things that they show you from ages ago or they show kids and the kids have no idea. Like, this is an LP oh, in the MP3 generation. Yeah. And you ask um, you ask a youngster what a modem is today, they look at you as if you've uh, come out of the ark, right? Well, uh, you know, when I was uh, setting up the station, I went and bought a non-Mac computer. Um, and well, That would have been painful, wouldn't it, it? It, was, it was very painful in that I've had Mac since the last one broke, which was 2005. And everything has yeah. always just come in the Mac. So you buy the laptop, it's got everything in it. You buy the computer, it's got everything in it. You buy a Windows computer and then he says, well, you've got to buy this to plug in so that you can connect to the internet. Um, yeah. So all of the other bits and pieces that you are not used to, and I said, "Well, what's that? What's that? What's that?" You know. So I felt a bit daft. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, that's the way it is. So, sir, so today we are talking about. Well, you are talking about giving it all away for free. Well, it's a it's a continuation of the monopoly series that you and I are working our way through. Um, ten chat, excuse me, ten modules, thirty six chapters. Um, representing the sort of the genesis of a uh, connection economy business model uh, um, predicated on how to build a monopoly from nothing with no money invested. And last time out, we were talking about the need to be remarkable and how you would go about producing, in a sense, remarkably useful, epic content that uh, will allow you to not only differentiate yourself from everybody else that's in your niche that you perceive to be your competition, but will also lay down the foundations of uh, a long-term content platform that will deliver clients to you incessantly uh, forever and ever and ever on the basis that you keep your content platform up to date and you understand why people are coming to your websites and you produce content that answers questions and helps solve problems. So, yeah, last week we got up to Chapter 9 uh, about being remarkable uh, and this week we're going to talk about moving into Chapter 10, essentially giving it all away for free. Uh, um, on content, is there a finite amount of content for your 
your particular space? Well, you, one might say, yes, at some point, you could probably document everything that could ever need to be documented. And, um, uh, and that should be the end of it. But for the fact, of course, that, you know, um, things are always in a constant state of flux and change. So there's a, a requirement to at least keep your content platform from being moribund uh, and certainly being relevant. Um, but more importantly, the uh, source of your content, if you do it properly, which is your tribe asking you questions and you answering those questions, um, those problems that you are helping to solve, those questions that you're answering, they're always going to be live and of the age and they're representative of what your tribe is encountering and experience at this moment in time. Mm. So uh, whilst conceptually you could uh, construe that your platform will end up with a finite num number of sort of pieces of content on it. But the reality is that the way you go about generating your content is that you naturally um, are exposed to the vagaries and quirks of the marketplace mm. because those problems are being encountered today and they need answers that are relevant for today. So if you, um, if you structure your, uh, your, your proposition right and, and base it on, as I say, the ability to uh, help people answer questions and solve problems, then, then no, there's no reason why your content should um, become sort of finite and there's going to be an end of it. Uh, in actual fact, what happens is that once you get to a point where you've got a really good rock solid sort of base of content, then ultimately your, the questions that you answer uh, that are being asked by your tribe, uh, they're all variations on the same theme. It's pretty mm -hmm. much the same question being asked a different way. Mm -hmm. So by being able to answer that question, which is couched in a different way, you're augmenting your ability to map the knowledge graph in that niche, um, but you're keeping your, your content live and fresh and active and you're telling Google that you remain relevant, live and active because, you know, your, um, your, your, your content is being updated reasonably frequently. So the immigration department can see that, uh, you know, it's not a moribund website. It's actually delivering value mm -hmm. on an ongoing, continuing basis because websites that are um, good and of the age are updated because that's the way of the world. So whilst we are going through that sort of content update phenomenon, you come to understand that, you know, it may well have been three or four years earlier that a question that was 97% like the one that you've just received in your inbox today um, means that you don't actually need to uh, create a completely new piece of content to enter that question. All you need to do is sort of go into your library of content and then either send what you published several years ago to the person that's asking the question, or you decide what you're going to do is essentially update the content in some small ways and um, just, to, just to make it, you know, point in time relevant uh, and then do it that way. Mm. So what we've discovered uh, now that we've been doing this for seven and a half years or so, we've got more than 10,000 pieces of content that, a lot of the questions that get asked today are indeed have been asked a dozen times before in one guise or another. So uh, what we're able to do is to go to our early content, which um, was answering the question by means of a simple podcast answer recorded into an iPhone, right, and then uploaded on an MP3 into, into the WordPress platform. Uh, those early answers were only done via podcast. So what we've done is we've taken um, a transcription service that we uh, sourced through fiverr.com where you pay five bucks for a piece of work to get done 
So we've got a transcriber. Um, and now whenever we have a question that comes in that we know we have previously answered, we will uh, send the podcast answer to the transcription service. Five or six hours later, we've got a transcription back. Uh, so we can then take that original podcast together with the new transcription text and post a new answer to that question. Mm. It's the same, it's the same content, but it's transcribed, right? Mm. Uh, which gives you essentially the same answer twice: one in the mini podcast version, and one with a podcast plus a transcription version that's that's three or four years uh, more up to date, if mm. you will. Uh, so you've got the benefit of the original uh, answer that's out there sitting in Google land and is is being. Um, presented on the search engine results pages frequently when people are searching against that uh, that, that, that particular question query. Uh, and then you've got the completely new version of that, which is essentially the old version, but transcribed and presented in a different way, that is text and also audio. And Google recognized that as being a different piece of content. And so the cycle begins again. So just by essentially spending five bucks or thereabouts, we're able to get a an old piece of content uh, to convert it into a completely new piece of content because the material is still evergreen. The the law was the same six seven years ago as it is today. So why not um, why not be creative in that way? And so so to 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 sort of ultimately answer your question, yes, there is a finite um, pool of um, uh, content that you can develop if you think about it that uh, in that way. But you don't want to do that, and there are ways for you to be able to continue to build your content proposition um, in the way that, uh, for example, I've just described, without having to break into too much of a sweat. Hmm. And if you don't publish content, how long does it take before you slip down the rankings? Oh, well, it's not. Well, that's a good question because we never stop publishing content. Um, when I look at the pages on the web that are sometimes on the results pages that are you know adjacent to ours um i look at those um those uh, results and they they you know can be seven eight nine years really out of date not very not very um you know relevant at all and they're not uh, publishing aggressively in the way that we are continuing to publish in that fashion uh, but you know the google has got essentially 10 places to fill on the first page of the Google search engine results page and they're looking for the most relevant content. I'm seeing from the competition that's uh, up there, you know, amongst us, that a lot of that material is is, is kind of out of date, is dated. Uh, they're not uh, publishing uh, in the way that we are, as I say, but yet they're still you know, appearing on the first page of, of uh, the search engine result pages. So in the final analysis, I guess it's a, a question of who who you're competing against uh, in relation to a particular query, and uh, what options Google have to deliver, you know, decent options for the uh, for the searcher to uh, to review. Mm. Uh, so I think um, I, I think it's a surefire win if you continue to publish. But I don't have any direct evidence in our practice as to what happens if you stop publishing. But I do look at you know our um, our competitors, as I say, and see you know that they're still presenting. It. And so those queries and, and they're not updating anywhere close to we are. So I think there's still mileage in old content. Okay. Um, but my advice, would, my advice would be to get a formula as we've done and just continue to publish. Because actually, the material is free. And when people come onto your website, they're searching for a particular answer to a particular question. Mm. And if you know your niche well enough, you could probably say there's maybe – 1,000, maximum 2,000 questions that, you know, could ever possibly be asked in any permutation on your niche. Um, and if you 
publish those 1,000 or those 2,000 and really, really top it out, then mm. um, whatever happens, Google are always going to uh, present you as a higher um, uh, presented option rather than uh, than the lower presented option because they can see uh, the traffic that's going on in your website through their own uh, analytics of, um, of, of of what's happening on your website. And, uh, and they know whether uh, that material is credible because of the pattern and the nature of the visits that are being recorded and the bounce rates and all the other sort of technical elements that go mm. to sort of make up an understanding of how, say, Google Analytics works. There's more than just Google Analytics. There are other analytics packages that you can buy and what have you. But, but yeah, all things considered, um, that's how that works. And um, So we're talking about... Yeah, yeah, no, no, okay, okay. no, you go. Actionable content. Yeah, yeah, because because I, I realised we we didn't we didn't sort of segue properly into sort of you know giving it away for free mm. uh, based on uh, the remarkable useful content that uh, remarkably useful content that we talked about last time out. So uh, yeah, for me, giving it away for free is about recognising that you're going to document your expertise and you're going to produce actionable content. And actionable content is content that's presented in a checklist format or a do-it-yourself guide format or a handbook format essentially you know what's the problem ahead of me and how do i go about solving that problem what are all the resources that i need a to understand the problem b learn how to go about solving that problem and b what are the processes that i need to follow uh, the other parties i need to deal with the templates that i would need to articulate you know what i'm trying to achieve by by having uh, by using your material to solve this particular problem, so you produce it. Um, you produce it to be actionable, uh, educational, obviously, but certainly actionable. Um, and then uh, recognise that that content that you are producing that is actionable is ultimately going to solve, as we discussed previously, uh, Clay Christensen's parlance, the job to be done the kind of thing that is bringing them to your website in the first place. That's the job to be done that they're hoping to get done. Your mission through your content proposition is to deliver content that will allow them to achieve that job to be done. And um, in the way that we went about sort of doing this is that we organized all our material, the total body of our knowledge by use. So if you look at our website, you'll see we've got the hongkongvisahandbook.com. That's all our functional content. That's the sort of the last word that you go to, everything that you could ever possibly need to go about solving any kind of uh, Hong Kong immigration challenge. Um, it's all there for you in the Hong Kong Visa Handbook. And then uh, recognizing that, you know, that was one way of presenting that content. Uh, we then sliced and diced that material uh, and corralled various resources from not only the Hong Kong Visa Handbook, but but from our other uh, website, the Hong Kong Visa Giza blog, my daily content update site. We corralled those other resources and then configured them so that it became sort of a do-it-yourself visa kit or a Hong Kong Visa extension kit. So yeah, you had your foundation functional content in the handbook, and then you've got uh, these corralled resources via the, uh, the various kits that we offer uh, that uh, are ultimately, you know, highly actionable. Um, another way that we organized our material by, by use is um, uh, what we call the start here if you are action funnel. So on, the, on, on every page of our website, there's a, a section called start here if you are. Uh, and then there's uh, eight or nine different subcategories that you will choose from. And that will then take you sort of 
on a on a voyage of discovery as to you know how to go about how to go about thinking about the immigration challenge that you've got ahead of you and whether you're going to qualify or not. Mm. Um, so action funnels are another way to organize by use. Um, uh, we also organized, uh, well, we looked at all our content and we said, right, for any visa application of any type, what are the must-have resources? What are the 10 top resources that are deployed elsewhere on our content platform that somebody would need to have in a single place? Um, so, uh, uh, yeah, organizing by uh, must-have use, sorry, must-have resources is another way to um, organize by use. A um, couple of other ways that we um, we organize by use as well. Um, we produce something called the Hong Kong Visa Application Roadmap, which is a, a planning tool in actual fact. And um, internal to my professional practice, we have a, a document uh, that's called the Client Consultation Brief. And essentially this document is a document that uh, uh, we, I sit with or my colleagues sit with when we're um, having meetings with clients and taking instructions from them. And this document gives us the ability to capture all the relevant and salient points of information, heads of information that we need to have knowledge of in order to advise properly and to give a definitive answer as to whether or not we you know we can get this visa approved or we can't get this visa approved. And at the end of that, what is typically one hour meeting session, when we've gone through all of those questions and we've done our assessment and we've given our opinion, this um, this planning tool, the visa consultation brief, um, is full is fully filled out, and it then allows me to turn around to brief my state of knowledge of an application directly into my colleagues who are going to be doing the heavy lifting because I don't do all the cases, right? My mm. colleagues do all the I'll do all the hard work. But what that planning tool does is it gives it gives a structured way for me to impart into my colleagues everything that they need to know, so that they are at the end of the briefing essentially standing in my shoes uh, in terms of what they understand about this particular case and the way that the argument is going to be promulgated and ultimately whether it's approvable or not, there's red flags and so on and so forth. Mm. So long story, we have that tool. So what I, what we did was we sort of consumerized that internal tool and, taught and, and, and produced something called the Hong Kong Visa Application Roadmap. And then we produced. Then, then we broke. We broke the roadmap down into four actionable stages, and then we produced a video for each, a seven or eight minute video for each of one of each one of those actionable stages. So the end result was that now clients who come onto our website can can get that planning tool and those videos and all the other resources completely for free. They have to sign up for it because we give them. We need their email address to be able to send to them the videos uh, one each day for four days. Um, and that has essentially given us another way to um, not only document our expertise, but turn it into you know truly actionable content and and give the marketplace a kind of you know uh, some insight into how the professionals go about organising their, their their knowledge and know how in terms of an application and giving giving the uh, the, the the general public so to speak the opportunity to to use that uh, that that kind of approach that uh, that we've perfected over the last 25 years or so. Mm. Uh, so yeah, again, another example of documenting our expertise. And then finally, uh, we produced a whole series of what we've couched as essential guides. And over the last few years, um, 
I've gone out and just because Hong Kong is a small jurisdiction, I've been able to deliver talks and record those talks on a whole variety of different visa types and topical challenges of the day and that kind of stuff. Uh, so we shoot those, um, shoot those videos and then we slice and dice them down usually into between 10 and 15 small bite-sized segments, which gives us 10 or 15 pieces of content that we can publish over time, um, keeping our content proposition live and active, keeping Google happy with constant content updates. But most importantly, turning what was a one-hour standalone presentation you know before 40 or 50 people into what turns out to be you know 15 segmented sliced and diced videos that allow you to chop in and chop out looking for particular kind of information that you need as part of a process without needing to wade your way through a full one hour video to get what you need um, and as I say, by by doing it that way, not only do you get uh, opportunities for daily content update love from Google because you're going to be publishing those over you know a period of time, but you're making it really accessible and usable for um for, for visitors to your websites because as I say, they can jump in uh, at any point in the process and just watch the piece that they think is relevant to them, and uh, and actually naming those individual pieces is all part and parcel of you know creating the um uh, the facility of mapping the knowledge graph over time in, uh, in, in in not only in the niche that you're in but also in the sub 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 areas of specialization in our case these essential guides are sub areas of specialization in relation to particular visa types or challenges associated with visa types mm. So, um, yeah, give it away for free because if you give it all away for free and you've documented your expertise, two things happen, right? The first is you show your clients and you show the audience that you want to have relationships with, that you know what you're talking about. And secondly, you're leveraging the power of uh, the law of reciprocity, whereby those people who happen to self-organize themselves into the type of clients that, that are those types that want to pay rather than those types that don't want to pay, mm. while well, you're, um, you're creating the genesis of a relationship with those people who ostensibly do want to pay and uh, learn how well your business model is doing because you're able to keep score by the revenues that you generate. Now, what, is, it's free. what is the trigger point in transitioning somebody from do it yourself, especially if you've laid it out in a form in a way that says, wow, this isn't as difficult as I thought it would be. Let me just give this a crack. Is there something that says, hang on a minute, just click here and you don't have to worry about it? Not really. No, we, we let people conclude for themselves that um, our material gives them everything that they need. And now they're empowered to think about doing it themselves, but they self-organize in the same way as well, it probably wouldn't apply to you because I know you like to get your hands dirty. But um, <laughs> when it when says it, when the it man comes who took to, the money out of my hand to get it done. Uh, well, I'm talking well, literally talking about. And then, with some glee, told me over dinner, there's two kinds of people in the world: those who like to pay and those who like to do things for free. And you don't do anything for free. And I think you pay for dinner as well, did you not? Know? Yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah. Um, no, so people self-organize into those, you know, those that want to pay and those that don't want to pay. And the, the analogy I always give at this juncture is, well, you know, I could conceptually um, go onto the Internet and get all the research that I need completed uh, to learn how to service my car myself. I can go and buy all the, uh, the oil and the oil filter. It's no big deal these days to go off to a, 
a shop, right, that will say, you know, you say, I want this part number, I want this part number, I want that part number, they just go out the back and they pull it for you and they give it to you. So you end up with all the relevant parts that you need. You end up with all the information that you need to go about servicing your car yourself. No doubt you probably have a uh, an iPad that has some videos that you can have under the car while you're, you know, they're getting your hands dirty and trying to unscrew this or, you know, take care of that or swap that out you could do all of that yourself right and save money Mm. but in the final analysis i'm not the type of person that wants to do that stuff i'd rather pay somebody else to get it done Mm. just principally the same as you would in the main because that's how the type of guy there are although i I jest a little bit about the car mechanic example in your case because i know you've got a dozen cars outside on outside your place there and you're always (laughs) thinking about buying and selling and fixing things you can't fix a single one of them well okay <laughs> there, there was point right there, there was a time where i had an aerobatic airplane and i pulled 80 kilograms out of this airplane because everything is about power to weight and yeah um not being mechanically minded the guys in the hangar said oh, well you can play pull that out pull that out pull that out so i pulled 80 kilos out of a i think it was about a 900 and something kilogram plane I wish it was a little bit heavier than that. So you can imagine when you're losing 10% of the of the weight of the aircraft, its performance is better. And um, they said, well, now we need to do the uh, the weight and balance because obviously everything's got to be around the moment of the um, of its center of gravity, et cetera, et cetera. So you've got to realign everything. And then it came to the time where you've actually got to test fly your own aircraft after having pulled loads of shit out. And I tell you, it is an awakening because you think, wow, well, here, here I am barreling down the, uh, the runway and I'm going to go and throw this thing upside down in the sky. I hope that I remember to tighten everything I took out. <laughs> I, always, I always said you're a braver man than me, Mr. Black, a much braver man than me. I, I won't service my car myself because I'm frightened frightened to death of breaking down on the freeway you know i'm getting stuck there until somebody comes to save my ass mm. so never mind um you know aerobatic aircraft and helping sure it's all tight you know when you're at uh, <laughs> three thousand feet or ever pulling loop-de-loops yep. rather yes. you than me sir all right so, good, sir. yeah getting getting yeah so just to tie it all together right if you go through the process of documenting your expertise in the way that I've just suggested with some of the ideas, you know, and sort of, you know, slicing and dicing your expertise and representing it through a content proposition, give it all for, give it away for free. Um, by the time, you know, the people you want to have relationships with have found you have invested their effort and energy and understanding what the problem is, have come to conclude that, you know, you're really the go-to place for this kind of stuff. And then if you've packaged a superbly developed uh, service proposition uh, or a commercial proposition at least where you've disaggregated and re-aggregated value to reflect the reality of the connection economy then you know uh, the old adage that I keep saying applies is you can't compete against free um, means that actually your competitors can't compete against free mm. uh, and if um, in that case you may as well own free absolutely good man we shall catch up hopefully on Friday okay sir have a good day Digital Bacon FM. Join us next time for more tips on how to document your experience and your expertise.